0: Well, happy Sunday morning to you. For those watching and listening online, we want to say thank you. Uh, we're continuing our series, Same But Different, today. And Same But Different is a game that kids play. You're looking at two objects and seeing how they're same and how they're different. So we're developing critical thinking. So, last week we kicked off with 2 yuhus on how they're the same and how they're different. Now how are they the same? We, we talked about how they're both labeled, how they're both containers, and how they both have circular tops and circular bottoms. Now how are they different? Well, one is tall, one is short, one is clear, one is obscure, one has a wider top than the other. At the end of the day, we want our kids to become critical thinkers. We're developing them to be critical thinkers. And the same goes for men and women. Men and women are the same, but they're different. So this series came out of our church annual survey. So every summer we put out a survey. What are some things that you want more information on? And the number one thing is the difference between men and women. Um, Men and women in biology, men and women in the home, men and women in church. Like how do we parent? Like all of those things sort of kind of tie together together and seeing that there's a difference between men and women. They're the same, but they're different. And last week, we started with biology, and our big takeaway was that women were created biologically different than men to give life. They're the only ones created with a womb, and men were biologically built differently than women to breathe things under control through physical strength. The whole point of our differences is to provide human flourishing under God's design. Now, although our world is broken, it's out of rhythm with God's design because of sin, we can still experience flourishing through living out the purposes given to us by God. So, back to Genesis. We were there last week. Um, It says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. See, God's intention is for us to partner with him to flourish and another word for flourish is to thrive and by working and taking care of the garden here's what we would it do it would in turn take care of adam and eve see adam i don't want you to miss this adam is preparing the garden for growth he's cultivating the garden for growth And as we looked at last week god designed humanity to thrive now even with a broken world, it was going to be harder and it was going to be with a countdown because in our series right after Easter this past year, we talked about how God is bringing in a new heaven and a new earth. And Until that time, He has designed that men are preparers and women are nurturers. And there's going to be some responsibilities that overlap, but at the end of the day, men are preparers and women are nurturers. And this flows into this week as we talk about thriving in the home. I would argue and many people would argue that there is some tension there that men and women are not thriving in America and this is affecting the home. So what I want to do is I want to look at men and then look at women. So American society is committed to ideology that men are not safe or they're toxic because of the patriarchy. So what if patriarchy wasn't the reason why men are viewed as not safe or toxic? So let's critically think about this. Men are less likely than women right now to earn a degree, join the workforce, and get married. Now, men are more likely to stay home, play video games, and be addicted to porn. Now, here's the ironic thing about that. When they play these video games, they're simulating the actions and the activity of masculinity, strength, fighting, defending... Right? They're, they're, they're mimicking, they're simulating those actions. And Being a man is pointing back or reflecting God who made man and gave woman as his counterpart. This is the check that's so important. Men and women are counterparts. Men are biologically built differently than women to bring things under control through physical strength to benefit their counterpart. Now, if men are left unchecked, With this truth and within this design, women will be victimized. So so what if the reason for fatherlessness is unchecked men hijacking their God-given purpose? In 1969, the first no-fault divorce bill was signed in California by Ronald Reagan, who went on to say on record that that was one of his greatest political mistakes. Because today, there are over 19 million kids living in single-parent homes, and 80% of those homes have the mother acting as the head of the family. Divorce damages more than we like to admit. It's disrupted the kids, specifically to boys. And in fact, there's evidence that boys will be more aggressive with fighting and anger and this is part of bring things under control or order right there's a requirement of strength in order for that to happen okay so there's a god-given purpose there but that's out of whack right it's out of whack when, when it's not within god's design anger is out of control right fighting is out of control and so when, when this isn't under God's design and we're not, they're not prepared to utilize what God has gifted them and made them to do, boys will try to do this on their own and it's going to lead to a broken way on how to deal with women and how to treat women. They're going to victimize women. They're going to abuse women. And that's outside of God's design. Now on the flip side, more and more women under 45 are becoming single and there's no desire to get married young as the focus is career and traveling friends and and not rushing to find a man because because you can you can have a, a body count like it's not a it's not a big deal anymore and this means that if there's no rush to get married there's no rush to have babies and culture is pushing for women hey you can do this on your on your own and you can do this by yourself you don't need a man and there's a cultural push for independence and and role reversal is it really working out? Is it really working out? Because notice the effect this is having. A third of high school girls have considered suicide. And that's a 60% increase since 2013. 15% have been forced to have sex. 60% were depressed or hopeless that they isolated themselves from activities. In Richard Weisburn he explains that girls are more likely to respond to pain in the world by internalizing conflict, stress, and fear. Boys, on the other hand, are more likely to translate those feelings into anger and aggression. So look, look, look. look. When there is a breakdown, when there's a breakdown of our God-given purposes, there's disruption to thriving there's disruption to thriving by design men are preparers right we're preparing our sons and our daughters for life women are nurturers they're nurturing life in their sons and daughters and both are forms of cultivating and 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 how you experience growth in your kids and in the home is by preparing and nurturing both need to happen for growth so last week we looked at our god-given purposes in Genesis one, God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it and so we 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 are one of the purposes is to give life and then to roll over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground right It's bringing things in order right it's bringing things under control, and so we talked about this last week that it required both a man and a woman to do that, not two dudes or not two chicks it two Humans, a man and a woman, to do this, to accomplish this. See, women were created biologically different than men to give life. You're the only ones created with a womb. This is how you are like God, made in the image. One One of the ways that you're made in the image and likeness of God is that you are able to give life. We are not able to do that as men, but you are. Men are biologically built differently than women to bring things under control through physical strength. After their decision to disobey, notice that God still affirms their purpose. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. What is, she, what is she still able to do? Give, give life, but it's just going to be more painful. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will roll over you. We'll talk about that in a second. And to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from in all the days of your life. To what? To cultivate the earth required strength, right? To bring it under control, to bring it in order required strength. It was going to be harder now. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat of the plants of the field. And as we read that, there are several things that, that clash with our culture patriarchy marriage and parenting having and disciplining kids and look look, it it doesn't it doesn't seem like our culture's ideology is working as boys are trying to become men without preparation girls are believing that they don't need men to thrive so if that's our culture's ideology let's kind of look at what god says about it let's see let's see how he designed it to, to flow because if it really leads to thriving and flourishing We need to lean into that design, right? We need to live out that design. So let's look at patriarchy, marriage, and then parenting. So before Eve gave into temptation, she knew that the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was off limits. In fact, the reason why she even said that to the tempter was because she knew because God told Adam and Adam told Eve. She knew that it was off limits. And when she gave into temptation, okay, so temptation is not a sin. Giving into temptation is a sin. So when she gave it to Adam, what was she doing? She was in now control over him. She was no longer living or acting in her role as the helper or the counterpart. She was domineering. She was now doing both roles. She was giving life and then trying to bring things in order or bring things in control. And the consequence would be that Eve would continue to desire, control, or domineer. The phrase, he will rule over you, listen, isn't a command. It's a consequence. It's explaining the consequence of Eve's decision. That Adam would have authority over Eve and husbands would have authority over their wives. And what Paul does is he explains this. He puts legs to this on how a husband leads the home in a culture that he was writing to, that was female-dominated. In fact, the worship, the religion in that culture was female-driven. It was female-driven. The main God was a goddess. So, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything so just like in the beginning adam and eve were to submit to each other as counterparts out of respect for god's design and out of respect of god's rules now we submit to each other because jesus is our leader he's our king when we submit, when we mutually submit to each other out of respect for, for Jesus and his design, it leads to a thriving marriage. It leads to a successful marriage. And here's what begins to happen when you're tempted. You're tempted to control or domineer or even derail. Because you're mutually submitting to Jesus, you avoid manipulating or undermining in private. You avoid undercutting or disrespecting in public. Instead, what happens is the wife is nurturing the husband through encouraging, assisting, and supporting because marriage is a picture of the church. We do that with Jesus. He is the leader. He is our king. And what we do is we support him. We assist him in building up the church. So he is building the church and he has us doing that here Locally and that's why we show up on a Sunday, why we connect, why we invite, why we serve, why we give, why we attend. Husbands have authority over their wife in the same way Jesus has authority over us. Positional leadership. Is positional leadership. He says husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So look, when we accept Jesus, when we accept what Jesus has done through his death, it prepares us to submit to him. Husbands, are to love their wives sacrificially. So here's what that means: you avoid demeaning in private. You're not name calling. You're not saying you're lazy. You're a deadbeat. You don't do nothing. You're a good for nothing. You're just like your mother. You avoid devaluing in public. Ah, uh, she's not busy. She she just she's just at home with the kids. I mean, for those. Those of you who stay at home, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lot. See, instead, what the husband does is he prepares her through putting her needs ahead of his own to make submission less painful. And there should be no excuse for husbands victimizing their wives and wives undermining their husbands if sacrificial love is experienced. So then it leads to parenting. Because someone once told me, in order to be the best father, I needed to be the best husband. Because marriage provides structure and boundaries for kids. When patriarchy and marriage are out of order, they're not under control, they're not aligned with God's design, kids will mirror that out-of-orderness. And this increases anxiety and increases fear. Last year, there's a study that showed that the number one thing that they are concerned about as parents Are their kids struggling with anxiety and depression? Here's the catch. Another question in the survey asked what was the number one thing they wanted to pass on to their kids. 94%. 94% said they wanted their kids to be honest and ethical. 35% said faith. Look, I get it. I get it as a parent. I get it. I want my daughter to be ethical. I want her to be honest. But but that source of honesty, that source of ethics comes from somewhere. It, it comes from somewhere. And as a follower of Jesus, that source is him. If I'm a follower of Jesus, faith ought to be the number one thing, the number one value that I'm passing on to, to our kids, right? That I'm passing on to my daughter, that you're passing on to your kids. Because faith helps us in our fight with anxiety and depression, see when our kids are out of control, right? Discipline is required, and one of the goals of discipline is to establish boundaries and authority. See, according to Dr. Eric Stigman's work, the spoiled generation there has been an alarming rise of rates of child depression, teenage pregnancy, obesity, and violent crimes by adolescents. Dr. Sigmund's research found that even nursery-aged children are becoming increasingly violent and disrespectful towards their teachers. And believe it or not, more and more stories of kids physically harming their parents are occurring in addition to attacking police officers. He believes that this is happening because there's no respect for authority as we've excused our kids' defiance as a response to stress. It's been said when you lose respect for authority, you will lose fear of authority. That authority matters. See, establishing authority in the home is not only important, in fact, it's a command. And if it's not done at home, it will not be done in public. This is what Paul writes to the same church as he just wrote to when it comes to husbands and wives. Notice what he continues. Remember, a very female-dominated culture. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And then he says, fathers, not mothers. He addresses he, he addresses the dads in the room. Do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The reason why there are boundaries, why kids are learned the difference between right and wrong while they're taught to obey is because of our human condition. We're all born with this human condition that we choose ourselves over everything else. And we need parents to provide structure of right and wrong. And when we provide clear boundaries and our kids obey, it typically allows kids to thrive. It allows kids to thrive. Paul is encouraging dads to lead the home by passing on to their kids faith. More than just morality, more than just ethics, more than just honesty, but faith through discipline he's encouraging dads not to irritate frustrate or provoke their kids instead he's he's encouraging dads to prepare their kids through discipline see this is the tension that we live in this this culture that values kid-centric parenting or gentle parenting and our culture wants us to talk things through with our kids so we understand why they did it and i know this clip is is going to be definitely over the top but hopefully this sort of paints the perspective with this gentle parenting
1: we are trying something different john emotionally sensitive parenting (laughs) Mm -mm. listen my nephew broke a crayon at a restaurant just complete meltdown just screaming, and no one's hitting this kid just like tell us your truth tell us tell us your truth my sister's calling her therapist, what should I do? What should I do? My other sister's rubbing crystals together. Mmm. <laughs> Trying to manifest no tears. She's quoting Brene Brown. Vulnerability! Vulnerability. Uh-uh. My, uh-uh, uh-uh. my sister doesn't believe in physically looking down on her kids. She doesn't believe because that's judgmental. We are in a chili. She's on the ground in a chili. Just, <laughs> please, what do you need? I'll help you. Anything, you're loved, you're valuable. Tell us you're safe. Feelings are hard. I'm sitting there like, dude, I will hit a child, bro. I will hit a child. Uh-uh, dude. I will hit your child, bro. You see me at a restaurant, your kid's acting up, winking me, go to the bathroom. I will hit your child. I will. We tried it, okay? We tried not spanking. It didn't work, okay? We gave it a shot. You're like, oh, we don't spank our kids. Well, now he's 26 and growing sunflowers out of his trunk and is on unemployment. What happened?
0: <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's exaggerated, but that's how it sort of comes across because our culture says, well, our focus needs to be that we heard them, not that they heard us. We're encouraged not to spank, not to send a time out, not to ground, not to take away privilege and not to establish patriarchy or boundaries because that will cause kids to be anxious. Another goal of discipline is to develop character. Look, if the majority of parents want honest and ethical kids, it requires discipline and discipline develops character and character should drive behavior. So what if we looked at discipline not as punishment but as correction, right? Its course correction, and it seems clear that Paul, from him, that honoring and respecting authority is the start of developing character. So, so I, I, my, most of you guys know that we build our home, and I've been working with tools a very long time. And one of my favorite tools is a hammer. On a hammer, on the hammer head, you have two sides you have the side that drives in the nail and then you have the side that corrects a nail so if you hit a nail and it bends you're able to use this to bend the ha- the nail over so you can nail it back in sometimes as parents we got to lay the hammer down what if we looked at this as not as punishment but as course correction right they're, they're bent They're going sideways and we need to bend them back to where they need to go. See, something needs to happen within them before we see the moral and ethical behavior out of them. It takes attention and time because our kids suffer from the same human condition as we do, sin nature. And listen, there's always going to be for them a bent towards selfishness and me first mentality and the attempt to save themselves from a punishment or discipline. Now notice the thoughts from James White. He says you can't manage them, handle them, compensate for them, supervise them, or make excuses for them. You have to discipline them. The inner world is sin stained and sin stoked. It needs to be shaped and developed, which is why calling gentle parenting gentle is disingenuous. It makes the other approach harsh, but that's not true. You can be gentle and disciplined. God provides himself as the example of a gentle disciplinarian that is motivated because of his love for us. The writer of Hebrews writes this, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. And for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, if we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Speaking of God. If you're experiencing it, it means that you belong to God who loves you and wants you to experience right living that leads to peace. Discipline is bringing order. It always has a purpose. Notice how the focus is back on the fathers. It's not that mothers can't do it because they can. It's going back on the purpose as fathers as preparers. They're the ones... To prepare. Women nurture, men prepare. If we desire our kids to thrive, we need to prepare them. And that will include discipline. Discipline is grounded in love and motivated by love. Discipline is a must within any healthy relationship between parents and kids. And although discipline is painful, it will produce peace. It's not enjoyable in the moment, but it will lead to joy. Peace and joy lead to thriving. And this is why it's so important for kids to have their parents involved in their lives. In charge of how they use the internet and social media, kids need boundaries. They need leadership. They need direction from their parents. And I'm so incredibly thankful for the single parents we have in our church. You are incredible. And the reason why I say that is because you show up week in and week out in allowing us to partner with you that's why the early church was big on supporting widows and orphans why to come alongside especially when it comes to as you're raising your kids you need both the preparing and you need the nurturing and we're coming alongside and helping you with that we've been given a call from god to bring things under control and in order not just to the world but to our homes so that our homes Can thrive. So, two questions to think about. How is God the gentle disciplinarian? And although we share responsibilities as we reflect God's image, how are men preparers and women nurturers? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful that there is instruction on how to do this. And we're not always going to get it right as moms and dads but you've called us to stick with it to persevere when things don't make a lot of sense with what our kids do when it doesn't make a lot of sense with culture and what they're pushing for men and women we're incredibly thankful for your design and i pray for those in the room who they're in that stage right now where they're looking at getting married they're looking they're on the hunt right they're on the prowl for someone And I just ask that you would allow them to find someone that is in step with their faith, that understands their role, their purpose given to them by you. For those in the room who are single parents, I ask that you will continue to strengthen them. I ask that you will continue to help them to persevere and partner with us. And we as the church do a great job coming alongside, helping in the nurturing and the preparing of their kids. I ask that you would also allow us to understand that you have a design that is intended to be followed. Help us to do everything we can to follow your design. We know that when we follow your design, it does lead to flourishing in the home, thriving in the home. So Father, allow us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.